Welcome to Girls That Invest. You're joined today by your hosts, Sim and Maya, two millennial investors who are here to help you learn about all things investing and personal finance. Now, you may be wondering if that sounds a little bit different, and that is because we do have a huge announcement. It had been the thing that we said we were going to announce on Instagram, the amount of DMs that we got asking what the announcement was. I mean, I had my sibling, my brother, (laughs) who normally doesn't address me as a human, come up to me and go what's the announcement I have my friends asking we are so excited to announce that we have an amazing co-host join us for the Tuesday episodes it is the one the only we already know and love her Maya Welcome, Maya. Kia Thank you so much for having me. <laughs> I am so excited for you to be here. When we had the conversation about asking you to come on and do the Tuesday episodes because you do the Thursday one so well, it was just like a natural progression. And when you said yes, we just knew the community was, was just going to like jump and scream and shout. I love it. I'm honestly so happy that you asked me. And I just love doing this so much. I love the community being a part of the community. So I'm so excited. Well, thank you for joining in. I mean, we obviously have gotten to know you from a business perspective as a business student, as someone that is on her journey to become an entrepreneur, but we've never actually gotten to know you in terms of your personal finance, in terms of your money, mm-hmm. you, you know, we're good friends, but Maya, I don't know what's in your bank account. No. <laughs> and we need to change that. Okay. I'm happy to share. Now, before we get into the episode, we want to thank our season sponsor, Rentap. Paying rent is a hassle, but what if we told you there's an easier and more straightforward way? Meet Rentap, your ultimate rent paying sidekick. No more ATM trips, no more checks, and no more app juggling. RentApp deposits your rent directly into your landlord's account hassle-free. Plus, it's free to you and your landlord doesn't need an account either. But here's the kick. RentApp doesn't just stop at rent. They're all about helping you build a brighter financial future. There's even an option to report rent payments to boost your credit score, making home ownership more achievable. For our GTI listeners, we've got an exclusive deal. Use our referral link rent.app slash GTI for $50 cash back on your first rent payment. Ready to simplify? Check out the referral link in the description or head over to rent.app slash GTI and make rent a breeze. So first things first, I think the best way for you to be, you know, on the Tuesday episodes, the money episodes, we talk about investing personal finances to understand your own money story, what it took for you to get to where you are, you know, how much did you have when you were younger? Has have things changed? But before we get into that, can you explain to us what your relationship with money was like when you were a kid and has that changed over time? Yes. So my relationship with putia, with money, as a kid, I would say I was more of a saver. Like I just kind of remembering saving my money more than spending it. But then also as a kid, I didn't really have as many things to spend it on living in a small town. So yeah, I I would say a saver. Can you emphasize how small this town was? Okay. So... (laughs) I'm from Tūrangi, which is 
a very, very, like a few hundred people maybe. And then I'm, we moved to Fakatani when I was eight, which is a bigger small town on the coast, the Bay of Plenty in Aotearoa in New Zealand, which had, it was a bigger town, but still a small coastal town. And so you grew up in a small town. You were a good saver. Was that something that you had been taught like by your family? I think so. My mum, I was raised by a single mother and she just kind of already always told us to save our money. But also then there wasn't really much financial literacy happening in Kura in school or really at home outside of that, just like save your money because you'll need your money for something else. <laughs> and so you were like, okay, I'm growing up in a small town. I don't know why I emphasize that. And I have my mum. I know you didn't like have financial literacy. I don't think many of us like sat down and got mm. financial literacy, but were there things that she would say about money in your childhood that really stuck with you? Nothing in particular, honestly, nothing in particular outside of, you know, if you want something, you need to save towards it. There was no conversations really about investing or things like that. Yeah, financial literacy as a whole, I didn't really get any of that until I was an adult in like my early to mid 20s, really. And so, what were you like with money as like a teenager? Like, did you believe, you know how we talk about like abundance mindset mm-hmm. and having lots, like, did you just always have that? Like, was that just somehow, did that reach Fakatane somehow? <laughs> I think as a teenager, because we didn't really have that much money growing up, it was that I've got money, so I want to enjoy it. And so I went between saving money and also spending it and having that I have a part-time job. I think my first job was when I was like 15 or something. We used to pick like boysenberries and blueberries and things like that in the summer. And then I started working at Pizza Hut. So when I would say I developed into a spender, definitely as I grew up as a teenager, I had more things to, you know, like do, clothes to buy and things like that. And so I think I've kind of, I developed from a saver into a spender. Yeah. It sounds like you were really good at getting jobs and you would (laughs) like get it. One thing about Maya, she'll get a job. (laughs) She'll get a job, baby. I've never met someone that is so like, just, you know how some people get like, like they kind of sneeze and they like get pregnant. You like you sneeze and you get a job. <laughs> I mean, like myself, it doesn't feel like that because the amount of times that I've had to look for a job, like I will just continuously be looking for a job because I won't be getting paid enough. I'm on a casual contract. The work environment is unhealthy. The job doesn't align with my values. So like I'm very, I don't want to stay in a situation that isn't conducive to my mental, spiritual and physical well-being, and especially my (laughs) financial situations. So often I've had quite a lot of part-time jobs that didn't pay enough. So I've just kind of continuously had to look for another one and up-level to so that I can afford to, you know, pay my expenses and live and things like that. But I will say a lot of my friends are like, do you still like, what are you doing now? Like, (laughs) 
doing something else because it, I didn't like it or um, it wasn't a good environment or simply I would say half of those jobs have purely been because I haven't been paid enough. You're like, yeah, I did, I did get a lot of jobs, but it's because I didn't get paid. Yeah, out of necessity. I don't want to have, you know, always be looking for jobs or things like that. Fortunately, I'm not in that position now, but you've got to do what you've got to do to pay your rent, babe. Oh, you've got to do what you've got to do. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> Absolutely. But it sounds like you had a good relationship with money because it sounds like, you know, you went from, hmm, I have this issue where like, I need more and I can't always rely on like traditional forms of being supported. So I'm just going to go out and get a job. Would you say that your relationship with money is healthy and it's always kind of been this like proactive thing of if I need more, I figure it out or not so much? It's definitely been turbulent, especially when I like finished high school and moved from a small town to the biggest city in Aotearoa in New Zealand and I was really quite sheltered and so I was really shocked at the difference. I had to suddenly learn how to budget and all of those kinds of things. So my relationship with money wasn't always a I don't want to say healthy one, but it was simply uneducated. Oh, I like that. It wasn't unhealthy. It was just uneducated. Yeah, which was a lot of my issues that I had with money from moving out of home when I was 18 all the way up to about my early 20s was simply because I didn't get properly educated in how to take out an overdraft or like a credit card and student loan and things like that. Fortunately, in Aotearoa, the student loan process is a lot simpler than in the US. So that kind of was fine, but I definitely had some trouble with over like overdrafts and just not understanding that. And then it was through my, I guess, failures where I learnt along the way and learnt that financial literacy. Yeah, I wouldn't recommend, but also I think during that time, I'm in my late 20s now, there's a lot more free financial resourcing and information and education, even in schools, available now than there was like five, six, seven years ago. You say you had an overdraft. For those that don't know what that is, could you explain that? It's when you borrow money from the bank. Some banks in New Zealand, you automatically have it when you create an account with them. And so that, for instance, I think that's what I had. I automatically had $2,000 in my bank account available. And I didn't fully understand exactly what that meant and when I had to pay it off and, and things like that. And so as an 18-year-old who just moved to like the biggest city in our country. And most expensive city. Most expensive city with little financial <laughs> literacy and kind of responsibilities at the time. I just, yeah, kind of used it to live and then have some fun and things like that and then dealt with the, the repercussions afterwards. For those listening and wondering like what this means, it, it's like a predatory behavior with, for most people, like when I got my first bank account, it was just a bank account and it was a debit card and I didn't have any overdraft on it. And an overdraft is kind of like, like when you go for a bottomless brunch and they keep topping up 
you know, the, the drinks you have. And overdraft is a bank being like, oh, like, it's not a line of credit, quote unquote. We're not giving you a credit card, but we'll let you borrow $2,000. Mm. And so you get this bank account and it's already got this bottomless $2,000 that aren't yours. And you have no idea where it's come from, but you suddenly have to start paying it off. An 18-year-old with $2,000 it's like a kid at a candy store. 100%. Yeah, I don't know how I feel about that. It's not a package. It's just probably something they were like, oh, by the way, you should totally do this. And you were like, sure. Yeah, I mean, you're you're a bank. Yeah, no, literally, that's exactly how it happened. And I didn't <laughs> I didn't actually know or they say, make sure you read the terms and conditions. I'm sorry, that's 20 pages. I'm not doing that. <laughs> and a 20-year-old now? Like, let's get them to read one page. Yes. And see how that goes. Mm-hmm. Or just not automatically have that available. (laughs) (laughs) It's bad. So Maya, when she was 18, she had like her first like run in with having a little bit of debt, $2,000. It's an overdraft. It's, It's like they're not seen as bad things. As you started to grow your financial literacy, did you ever run into like good money habits that you just built over time or did you go through, I'm genuinely wondering because we never talked about this, did you go through fluctuations of like being good with money, being bad with money, like how did you get to where you are now? I definitely fluctuated and definitely was scared to ask for help, like I didn't know how to because like truly, oh my gosh, I'm 28 so that was like oh, 19 years ago it's 10 you can say 10 yeah. you're 18 <laughs> yeah, it was 10 years ago <laughs> there was like very very limited resources out there on the internet like Instagram was still very much you just took a photo and that was it and so social media and all of those things weren't really popping off at all and so I went through periods of feeling fuckama, feeling embarrassed about it about not knowing and then about just kind of ignoring it and then not being able to ignore it and then through definitely those fluctuations of going up and down and life circumstances at the time, I just kind of figured it out really. And the more that I became, I had more money in the sense of, yeah, I just started having more money. I was living paycheck to paycheck and then slowly moving out of that is where I actually had the mental capacity to be able to feel more empowered about seeking out the information and the education that I needed surrounding putia, surrounding money. So I think it also comes in hand in hand with where a person is at within their life and their mental capacity. Because definitely when I was in, I guess, quote, like in the thick of my money problems in my early 20s, like I didn't know how to seek for help. I didn't know what to Google. Girls that invest didn't exist. Exactly. And it really wasn't spoken about and like money you didn't really talk about money with your friends or your family or or things like that and so as I grew older and had my circumstances in life improve so did my mental capacity to take on this challenge around my debt and things like that that I was actually empowered and educated myself better. Do you think there's a relationship between people's mental capacity and how their relationship with money is? Definitely. Mental capacity and also their upbringing as well. Because I think often I went between a saver and a spender because I was taught to save, 
but then I also had very little money and I wanted to enjoy that. And so it was go- it was going back and forth between that. You're there, you're figuring it out. You decide that you're going to get better with money. You find resources. And then your life changed in 2020 when you met this 23-year-old that didn't shut up about money and <laughs> she wouldn't leave you alone at your – I'm kidding. That was not the day your finances changed. But one thing I did pick up on when we became friends is I think one of the reasons why you – got so good at money so quickly because I think we're still pretty young you were really curious like you were nosy and you were so nosy (laughs) I am so I like to say I'm curious (laughs) (laughs) because I definitely don't mean to pry and want that to come off as prying but I'm so curious that I've said it before and I'll say it again I think that's one of the main reasons that Sim got me on board to do this whole podcasting thing is because I ask so many questions and I'm so curious about like everything it's like one more question and I'm going to put a microphone in front of you and we're going to monetize (laughs) this yeah and we did exactly (laughs) that thanks babe (laughs) happy to help do you find that that also helps your journey not just myself, but like just asking people around you or like when you see friends doing certain things, like I'd notice that you would ask other people like, oh, that's so cool that you're renovating your house. How much did it cost? Mm. Or like, oh, that's really interesting. Your wedding was so beautiful. How much was it? Do you find that that's helped in your money journey? Oh, for sure. Because I think also being from a small town and being quite sheltered and I live such a simple life and have a small inner circle and things like that. And so I learn what's around me and whatever I don't know, I'm just going to ask. Like (laughs) it's just kind of being exposed to more things in life. And, you know, I'm sorry if it comes off as prying, but you also don't have to answer the question as well. So, (laughs) yeah. And the thing is, I love answering questions. I'm an oversharer. Yeah. We are both nosy. Honestly, there'd be times at work where like if Maya wasn't asking, I would be the one. Like we just found each other. I was like, oh, that's a cool car. How much did you pay for it? Yeah. And then we just exchange notes afterwards. Yeah. And you know, this is what this was. And it just kind of helps to reference. And I also will say there's power in that, especially as wahine, especially as women at our previous workplace, I remember asking one of the other wahine who worked there how much she was getting paid. And she first prefaced it with, I mean, you know, we will keep this on the down low because I don't think we're meant to know. And then we had a conversation about it, just purely me out of curiosity. And then I think one of our managers caught the tail end of it and kind of was like, you know, you actually contractually aren't allowed to talk about that. And I was like, why not? Like <laughs> this, this actually helps and empowers women, especially because things like that in a contract is created so that we don't know that we can ask for more. Honestly, Maya and I used to exchange salary information with each other and would be like, okay, this person needs, we need to have a chat with this person yeah. <laughs> because they're like 20K behind everyone else. Yeah. No, I'm so happy to share like my salary and things like that. I, I think it's helpful. It, well, for me, it puts things into perspective. Yeah. All right. I'm going to get you to paint us a picture of where Maya is in 2024 financially. These are just yes or no questions. Mm-hmm. Are you ready? Yes. Do you own property? Yes. How many? That's. I just realized that's not a yes or no. Okay. One. Do you have shares? Does KiwiSave account? 
Yes. Yes. So you've got a retirement fund. I have a retirement fund, yes. Did you pull money out of your shares to buy your home? Yes. Okay. I see. Did you know that you need to own shares to be on the spot? I'm kidding. (laughs) (laughs) Um, No, that wasn't in my contract. So. Sorry, that was an oversight. Do you (laughs) have savings? Yes. Do you have long-term, like a long-term savings bank account? Yes, it's shared with my husband. Stop, that's so cute. And do you have a short-term savings bank account? Yes. And do you join all of your money together? We join all of our expenses together. Just a yes or no, I'm kidding. kidding. (laughs) For business owners, every transaction is more than just a swipe of the card. It's the culmination of your hard work, dedication and commitment to your customers. That's why I'm excited to share with you a game-changing solution that's simplifying the way businesses like yours accept payments. Introducing Tap to Pay on iPhone, powered by Stripe. Contactless payments has never been easier. You can seamlessly accept contactless payments directly from your iPhone and the best part, there's no additional hardware required. Think about it, from local pop-ups to global retailers, tap to pay on iPhone and Stripe cater to businesses of all sizes, empowering them to accept payments right from their iPhones. It's a game changer for businesses looking to scale quickly and stay flexible with quick setup that takes minutes, not days. So how can tap to pay on iPhone and Stripe benefit your business? It's simple, increased revenue, expanded reach and enhanced customer experience. It's a win, win, win. To learn more about how tap to pay on iPhone and Stripe can transform your business, visit stripe.com slash tap iPhone today. It's not a yes or no question. We have an account for all of our shared expenses and then we also both have our own personal accounts. That is incredible. You sound like you've got your life together. Thank you. Thank that's you. amazing. <laughs> you know what? It's good to have a co-host that's got a different financial situation because it was so fun. Like Maya and Sonia and I will know each other. And when Sonia and I were on the show, it was like two single gals, no responsibilities, talking about money. And I think it's good to have someone that's like, yeah, I have a husband. We join our finances together. <laughs> Well, yeah, of course. It's good to get different backgrounds and perspectives. Yeah. And look, like you're a whole year older than us. Oh, so that like adds the perspective of, you know, wisdom. (laughs) Hey, I'll take it. I'll take it. I'll take it, baby. (laughs) Especially with us. That's like five years of extra wisdom. Now now you can cut it out. (laughs) (laughs) I'm kidding. Okay. So things have changed. They've grown. If someone saw you walking down the street, Do you think that they would know how much money you have? Like, do you dress in a way that shows how much you have? Do you drive a fancy car? Like, what is, what are you like? Honestly, I wouldn't know. I dress quite eccentrically, eclectically. I love secondhand shopping. So I love op shopping and all of those kinds of things. So in terms of like, how much my material items cost. It's actually really not that much, but I also can dress very well. My car, I was fortunate to be gifted from my in-laws. So (laughs) I'm not kidding. I live a very simple life. Like I probably spend most of my money definitely in the past two years on travel and on health things and um, like family fun experiences. I would say... Honestly, I'm not sure. Well, if I saw you walking down the street, I think you, I I wouldn't have been able to pick up. 
how much you have because I'm actually really bad at kissing. (laughs) Same. I also kind of, you can't really take people face value in that instance because although like my dress that I'm wearing right now, I got it from the op shop for like 10 bucks. It's a really cute dress. And like, I don't know how, how much branded things cost or things like that. That's just something that I don't value. I value something that looks aesthetically pleasing and quite often colorful. It definitely is. And before we start to wrap things up, what are your money goals in the future? Like Maya, you've bought your house, you got married last year. These are like, you know, big financial goals that you've had. What are you comfortable with sharing? What is like your next couple of big money goals for the next like five, 10 years? Definitely becoming financially free. Retiring, same. Yep. 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 (laughs) Good. Yep. I want to support my whanau, so I want to support my mum in buying her a whare or helping with that at our papakainga on our family land. And just for those that don't know what a whare is? That's a house, yes. (laughs) Travelling and investing more, honestly. Amazing. Right answers. You get the job. Perfect. Thank you. My contract still stands. It stands. And if you had to choose one that's like your most, I'm really quizzing you at this point. If you had to choose one that is like your most number one biggest goal, you have to make sure you achieve this one out of all of those, what would that be? Like financial goal? Mm-hmm. Oh, being financially free because then that ticks all of, then I'm able to do all of those things. Okay. Didn't realize we had a smart ass right? in the studio. <laughs> Doesn't that just like once I'm financially free, I'll be able to easily do all of those things? Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Sure. I t- I'll take it. <laughs> All right, Maya. I feel like I've grilled you enough for one episode, but thank you so much for sharing, you know, your deepest, darkest money secrets and sharing how you've kind of come to be who you are. It's never easy. I think it's always it's always easy to hear about what other people do with their money. It's always easy to like be open to like getting the inside scoop. But when we talk about our own journey, it's like, damn, who am I with money? Like, what was it like growing up with money? And what was it like? And how has it changed? But I think you've done incredibly. And I'm sure a lot of people are going to be able to enjoy this and take something away. If you enjoyed this episode on that note, please let us know. Take a screenshot, put it on your Instagram story, tag girls that invest. If you think this is going to help anyone else, it would mean the absolute world to us. It helps us grow the podcast and helps us reach many, many, many more amazing people who are going to be financially free with us. And with that, I'll see you next week. Kakite. Bye. Bye. And as always, to finish off with the disclaimer. Girls That Invest does not provide personalized investing advice for your individual needs. We are not financial advisors. The advice from Girls That Invest exists for educational purposes only and should not be relied upon to make an investment or financial decision. Advice from Girls That Invest is general in nature and does not consider your individual circumstances. Always do your research and please do your due diligence.